Thank you for downloading the In-Ear Entertainment up-and-coming podcast. For more podcasts and some brilliant audiobooks, go to www.inearentertainment.com. And welcome again to the In-Ear Entertainment Up and Coming podcast. Blimey, I'm going to have to remember that so I can actually say it properly. Um, I am joined this week by, uh, I really hope I don't pronounce your name wrong, Anthony J. Rapino. Yep, there you got it. Yes. It's because... Sorry, go on. For the the rap. They say rap, you know. But no, it's it's Rapino. Rapino. And and we, we have Anthony and Anthony in the UK, depending on how posh you are. And, and so it always throws me off slightly. So I must not be posh at all because I go by Tony. Uh, well, yeah, see, you've just, you're, you're a common London builder if you're a Tony. You're a white van man is, is where I would see that. But that's good. That's fine. We can go with that. Um, and uh, Tony, I'm going to call you Tony. Tony is a, I'm going to call you a horror writer. You may disagree with that um, or, or may want to widen it out a bit. You're a horror writer working in, in the U.S., you have, um, or, or rather, we have published a, a collection, a horror anthology called Exquisite Theft. Again, I'm going to try and put the THs into that, um, my terrible accent, uh, which includes some of your work. We've also got a, another project coming out, which I, I won't talk about too much because I'm not quite sure when this will be released as opposed to when that will be released. But there's another project in the works, which is very cool and very exciting. Um, very exciting. So, so welcome. And, and does, does horror writer describe you, or would you describe yourself as something different to that? You know, that, that's a good question. It's something that I've thought a lot about. I do tend to just call myself a horror writer for the simplicity of it. You say you're a horror writer, people generally get the idea of what, what kind of stuff you write. Uh, there was a point where I was, and I think it might even still be on my website, um, that I referred to myself as a writer of speculative fiction. Okay. And, um, I, I don't know if that's maybe a little too obscure or not. And um, I have had, so I don't have a problem with it. I'll just call myself a horror writer up and down. There's plenty of blood, plenty of guts, and uh, plenty of atmospheric stuff going on that I, I consider it close enough to horror that it probably is. But I have had people read uh, some of my work and ask me, you know, why do you call yourself a horror writer when there's these obvious uh, departures from the genre? And um, you might notice, especially in my short story collection, Welcome to Moon Hill, some of those stories, you know, I would have a hard time classifying as horror. Um, Specifically, and the drums went thump, thump, thump. There are no no even speculative elements in that one. It's kind of just a, uh, almost a drama. Yes, but it's it's a drama that that brings upon qualities of unease or emotions of unease in in the reader and i suppose this is this is quite interesting it, it gets fairly academic i guess and and i i tend to try and distance myself from academia as much as i can i i love academia but i i think it puts up some barriers um that, that i don't particularly like but there are many many subdivisions and and yeah. horror as a term means something very specific but it also is an umbrella term and i i, I think that's how i was using it it's Right. the umbrella of, of unease or, or it doesn't need to be decapitation and blood and, and disemboweling it can be just unease or worry 
Yeah, and a lot of times, uh, you know, you'll read a lot of articles about uh, something they say gore for the sake of gore. It, when you know, and there are subgenres, splatterpunk and uh, whatnot, that just are concerned with giving you as much of that as possible. And I'm not opposed to any of these subgenres or writing within any of the subgenres. I do have sort of an issue with labeling, um, which was just a personal problem that I had, kind of like what you were talking about with um, uh, academia and the barriers it, it puts up. I know why there are labels, and it makes sense. You know, you need to know what part of the shelf to put your book on in, in a bookstore. You need to be able to say, okay, if you're interested in this, then you can find my work there. But at the same time, by calling myself a horror writer, I do sometimes feel um, like I'm pigeonholed. I have to write a certain kind of thing. And then if I go outside of that box, like I, and I do very often, um, I'm worried sometimes that someone picking up one of my works, saying, okay, this is going to be horror, and then reads it, whether or not they would have enjoyed it if it was labeled as something else, considering it as horror, they said, well, no, I didn't like that because it wasn't scary. Yes, but, but the, the flip side of that coin is that it, it introduces people to uh, concepts and genres that they n might not have looked at before. Uh, and, and I suppose it's it's the literary equivalent of a a band going from uh, a very poppy background and moving towards rock or moving towards another genre or even the reverse uh, the band that randomly pops into my head from when I was young was The Offspring move very much from uh, in the UK they would have been classed as, as punk I'm not quite sure if that's what they would have been classed in the US uh, and then they moved more towards pop uh, or pop rock almost right, um, and but in doing so, they, they took some fans with them and they lost some, but they gained some others. So it, it's, I think it's probably a good thing to be able to say, I write in this general area. Um, yeah. But it, again, yeah, it does give you issues with, with labeling and where do you put your book? Yeah, I, to I totally agree with that too. And your, your example actually made me think of another example. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Fish. Yes. Band Band, yep. Uh, they are a jam band. You know, anyone who is familiar with them, and people who aren't familiar with them, they'll call them jam band. However, they do play all different styles of music. They'll, they'll play jazz. They'll play. Uh, they they cover the Beatles' White Album in its entirety of concert. Before. Um, they'll play you know rock and metal and pretty much any genre of music. However, somehow, whenever they play these other genres, it's still jam band music yeah some and um you know I, maybe i like to think of that as, as what i do you know no matter wh how far off in, in uh, left field i might go it still you know i could be writing romance but it would still be horror somehow there's a, there's a tether back to that central core which yeah. I, I suppose is interesting is there then something is there a step too far is, is there a section of horror that you wouldn't consider writing or are you very open to everything uh you know i haven't i haven't necessarily found anything that i wouldn't want to write and when i go into a story i never and maybe that is maybe that's the core of my philosophy of writing is that i don't go into a story saying okay i'm going to write a horror story or okay i'm going to write a funny romance story I come up with some kind of weird scenario that I think might be interesting, and I start writing, and whatever comes out, comes out. Um, 
I feel like my personality is a, a little... They, well, yeah, my personality definitely drives what I write. And I tend to be kind of weird and have a strange sense of humor. And I do like campy horror a lot. So people have noted that my horror tends to have a lot of humor in it, too. And, um, yeah, I just I kind of go in and write whatever comes out. And most of the time it's going to be weird with humor. I, I think and humor is a wonderful tool, especially if you can use it. And it's, it's a very hard tool to use well, in the same way that horror helps uh, drama be more dramatic. It, it makes horror be more horrific, which is yes. Good. You, you said that you, you go into a story and you just kind of let it flow out. I, I'm, I'm intrigued because there are many, many books out there and many, many articles online which will tell you how to write. And I, I did a creative writing degree. That's my, my background. And I do write. I just don't tend to write uh, fiction in, in the way that, that you guys do because I, I can't. I, I quite happily hold my hands up. I, I, do, I write scripts. Scripts work for me. Um, but there are so many books that say you have to do this and you need your plot A and your plot B and you need to plan it all out beforehand. I just wondered how you do it because I find that such a personal thing. Right, yeah, exactly. All those books can stuff it, I'll tell you. They, they can take it and just, you know, really shove it because that is probably the worst possible uh, thing you could say to anyone is that you have to do something this way. I, I hate, I, and even my students, I'll tell them, I'm not telling you how to write. I'm giving you options of how you can best write. I'm giving you, uh, you know, we'll talk about pre-writing stuff that you do before you write the actual uh, essay in, in, a, in a classroom. And I'll give them a bunch of options. You know, you can brainstorm, you can cluster map, you can uh, journal, you can free write, and pick what works best for you. The only writing book that I, uh, the only book about writing that I ever truly identified with, and I know a lot of people love this book, is uh, Stephen King's On Writing. Uh, yes. I, I've never read it myself, but I... I... I keep seeing it referenced, especially in, in U.S. authors. It's really yeah. referenced a lot. Yeah, and it really is. It's just a, a, a fun book. It is a little autobiographical at the beginning, um, and I guess having a interest an interest in Stephen King helps at that point. But um, I'm actually using that book as my textbook for a horror writing class that I'm teaching uh, later this year. Excellent. And... Um, I really like his philosophy, and that is, you know, he does the same thing. He comes up with a scenario, and then he writes. And um, I forget exactly how he puts it, but he basically suggests that a story is a, um, a fossil in the ground, and your scenario is maybe a little piece of that bone sticking out of the ground, and as you continue to write, you're uncovering something that's already existing, okay. something that already exists there for you. Um, I don't plot. I don't write character maps. The closest thing that I do is um, to that kind of style is I have a, a cork board next yeah. to my desk over there. And um, I have a bunch of index cards with relevant information that I might need to remember. And I kind of pin it up on there. That way, when I forget, and I will forget, especially <laughs> novel length writing, uh, uh, I could always turn over and say, okay, well, that that was, you know, John's father's name two years before. Yeah, I, yeah. all these kinds of uh, little bits of information that can easily fall between the cracks. Which, which is interesting because that stuff as a writer that's so easy to forget. What, what you named his cousin, 
Um, but if you reintroduce that character later on in the book, a large proportion of your writers suddenly pick up on it, which it, it's so odd that these 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 details fall out of a writer's mind and yet are so prevalent in a reader's mind. It really is, yeah. And um, the only thing I can associate that to, at least for me, is I sometimes take a long time to write something. Now, that, that was not the case for the novella that I wrote for you. That spilled out in a month. I mean, you gave, you gave me a good deadline, and I threw <laughs> it, and I was like, yes, get this out. I love having deadlines for that reason, because it'll keep me working. And then I completely destroyed the deadlines on my end. It was, it was I, very, very bad. <laughs> no, that's all right. But, yeah, the novel, my second novel that I'm working on, I've been working on for years. And uh, if I didn't have that cork board over there with all the information on it, forget it. I've reread the portions of the novel that I had written just to remind myself of what I was doing. <laughs> in doing that, did you surprise yourself? One thing I find with the scripts that I write um, when I go back to them, when I, I find I know I've got a good script when I laugh at my own writing, which is, is very good, but I also find whole sections or scenes that I can't remember writing, and I, I surprise myself, and I find that wonderful. And I, Does the same thing happen with novel writing? Yes, you know... It, it does, and it's, you know, I, I hate saying this because it kind of sounds like you're tooting your own horn a little bit, but I do sometimes go back and read something, and this happens mostly with the newer stuff. Like, if I go back and read something I wrote years ago, I'm more likely to think that it's utter crap. <laughs> yeah. Wow, how did this get published? And I have the tendency to just take all the stuff out into the burning barrel and kind of light it up and watch it blaze. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where that should be. But no. The, um, the newer stuff, yeah, if I wait long enough that I don't remember writing it and I read it, there are times where I'm kind of like, wow, that's pretty good. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I don't know how I came up with that idea. I don't know how I uh, ended up writing it the way I wrote it, but whatever magical formula came together that day, whatever magical combination of coffee and adrenaline and, and lack of sleep fueled this fiery goblin that's now on my screen i i like it and other times it's just the total opposite I'm like what was i doing that day yeah those those unfortunately for me outnumber the other days that the what was what was i thinking how that's not even a sentence and uh um you mentioned the the kind of other half of you at least the other half of you that i know about which is your teaching right is that something you went into after writing, as in you sort of discovered a passion for writing, then went into teaching, or did your writing come out of your teaching? Uh, it was it was kind of the teaching came from the writing. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. Um, I went to school for four years for biology and digital media. And that's, a, that's an odd combination. Yeah, you know, the digital media part came out of the fact that I failed organic chemistry so so badly that I needed to split my major in order to still graduate on time. Okay. So I, um, I split my major with digital media just so I could pass and graduate with my friends, basically. And um, during that last semester of school, I took a creative writing class, mostly because I figured it'd be uh, an easy A. And I guess maybe somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of remember enjoying writing, because I used to write when I was younger. And um, I had an epiphany in that class, and that was that I just wasted four years. Not, not so, the best epiphany to have after four years and, and lots of money. No, 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 no. It was uh, it was a, a sad couple of years. But I uh, 
I walked out of that school with a degree that got me nowhere and the realization that I really, really wanted to be a writer, no matter what. So I, um, I started working right away. I just, I mean, I was a prep cook and I was a telemarketer for a full week until I walked out saying that this is the worst job I've ever had. And I was a box thrower at Walmart Distribution Center and a stock boy at, uh, at a retail store. And all the time I was writing, 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 no matter what. And uh, I got to a point after doing these awful jobs, that these soul-crushing things that just will send you off the side of a bridge, that I had to do something else to, you know, make money. And it made sense to me to go back to school for English. And um, the only, you know, it was kind of a last-ditch effort. I didn't want to be a teacher. I never actually wanted to step into a classroom again after I got out of my first four years of college. Um, but I said, well, if I'm going to take English classes, I really can't think of anything else I can do to make money other than become a teacher. So I got my master's degree in secondary education. And by some just godlike luck, I actually love teaching. I mean, I, you know, it's something that I can't believe I fell into with so blindly and and without any thought whatsoever and actually enjoy it so if I had to choose something to go along with my writing career I'm so glad that I did end up finding te uh, teaching I do I do really enjoy it and it, you know it's just one of those things like making money as a writer is very difficult yeah uh, you know you think when you first start writing you think all I need to do is get published you know, if I only could get published, I'm set. I've been published. And I can tell you, it does not fix all the problems. Um, the money is just not there right now, um, especially in, in, in independent publishing. Um, you know, even, you in, even in mainstream publishing, I once uh, read a wonderful breakdown of someone who got a $100,000 advance, and they'd been working on that novel for, um, for, for, um, for five years. And mm -hmm. when you work out that they'd been unemployed for five years uh, and they still hadn't finished the novel when they got a $100,000 advance, it works down as $20,000 a year. Yeah. And, and you, you, you take what seems like a massive advance and, and you break it down by the time you've actually put into it and the time you've still got to put into it. And it's not a salary. It, it's, it's a wonderful thing to get in a lump sum, but unfortunately novels don't just appear in front of you. Yeah. I wish they did. Yeah, it would be nice. The novel fairy appears, and you get you wake up, and your pillow's five inches higher, and you, you lift it up, and there's a novel there, but unfortunately not. You know um, what? I take that back. I take that back. I, I wouldn't want that to happen, because I love writing. You know, I just realized I'm saying that, but the act of writing is so much fun. I mean, that's why I do it. Certainly not for the money. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you prefer the writing or the rewriting? Because uh, writing tends to come in two parts, which is the writing the, the first draft, which generally isn't your first draft, but it's called the first draft. Right. And then you go back and you re-edit it. And some people, I know people who love the writing but hate the editing, and I know people who, who it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, you know, I, I would go with the first, the first draft is usually the most fun. It's sometimes actually harder I guess because you're especially for me like I said not plotting can be scary at times when you're writing and you get 
40, 50,000 words into a novel length work and realize you don't know where this is going to end. Uh, there, there's a moment there where you, <laughs> you step back and say, oh, holy crap. Uh, you almost want to just like hide under the blankets. It's like, I, I can't do this. But it, the, that inspiration hitting when, when it does work, when you sit down and the sky opens up and you just, it makes sense. It's the best thing in the world. Um, I don't hate rewriting. I don't hate going through, I mean, getting to read your finished novel for the first time yeah. is a fun experience. Um, my least favorite is the synopsis writing. That's what I hate. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things. I, I was recently talking to someone who had written their synopsis first, and, and I, I just had to turn around to them and go, you, you've pretty much chosen the hardest thing to write first. Yeah. Especially if you haven't written the story, the synopsis is going to change anyway. But yeah. blimey, um, I, I suppose moving uh, the the sort of final topic I wanted to touch on, if that's okay, was that uh, so reading through your your websites and your and your presence online, it, it seems uh, at least to me that your childhood plays a big part in in who you are now and how you write now. You're you you. I was going to say obsessed, but that might be the wrong word, with um, Halloween. And, and Halloween, at least in the UK, I, maybe this is a UK-US divide, is, is a very young child holiday. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe that's the difference. Uh, but also, you, you did a post uh, about a month ago about uh, how you had written a lot when you were a child and the books you used to read as a child, which all were, uh, again, horror in that wider sense of the word, horror. And is that the case, or is that just me seeing something that that's maybe not there? No, I think you you pretty much got it. Yeah, and obsessed is not necessarily the wrong word. I do have a little bit of an obsession. In fact, um, I know we're not recording video, but after maybe afterwards, I'll just kind of give you a tour of my room. You might see uh, or get the the idea that I do have quite a bit of just Halloween stuff all around me, and. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know exactly what happens. I don't know why that is, but sometime when, when I was a young child, I still have, like, such fond memories of Halloween as, as a kid. And it, it got into me, you know, the whole season, autumn, uh, October. And it doesn't even have to just be Halloween, you know, just the idea of, you know, the leaves changing and, and apple pie and picking apples and carving jack-o'-lanterns and pumpkin pie. And I love it everything about it i just Excellent. and love every single little thing about it and um yeah horror kind of goes along with that in a sense and um maybe it's because of that you know very early i the first story i could ever remember writing for school it was an elementary school um we had to write a short story in class and i still remember i wrote a story about bloody mary wow I don't know. as in the mirror uh, bloody mary bloody mary yeah, yeah, the mirror, with, and you say Bloody Mary three times and all that stuff. I didn't and say it three times. I was careful then. You just went to two and got out of the bathroom. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it, um, it's a huge part of my childhood. I, I have these, these um, lingering memories that I think I feel like people who don't necessarily have to be into Halloween, it could be for Christmas, it could be for Easter, birthdays, as you get older... You remember these times nostalgically, and you want to recreate them. You want to feel the way you felt when you were a kid again. And um, yeah, I, I would absolutely say that that's a huge part of um, my love of Halloween 
slight obsession with the 80s <laughs> and um, enjoyment of uh, all things horror. I, I just am constantly trying to recreate that. And in fact, I, I very recently was jotting down in my notebook that the next novel-length thing I want to write is going to be um, from the point of view of probably 11 or 12-year-old group of kids uh, during the Halloween season. Excellent. I won't say much more about it than that, but... That's, yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, uh, final final question, then, um, and then I, 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 we can promote some of your work, and then we shall call it an end, but I'm kind of asking this to everyone because I, I find it fascinating. Is there a specific universe, uh, and again, using universe in the sense that when people talk about... Uh, the universe of a certain writer um, or the universe of a certain author is there a, a certain universe you'd really like to write a story within ignoring all sorts of copyrights and intellectual property um no you're, you're very much you want your own do, do you want to develop because I, I suppose the difference you you've got an established universe your moon hill universe is is quite established or at least it appears established to a reader Right, yeah, I'm trying very hard to create my own, as it were, uh, Castle Rock, I guess, in, in a sense. I, I always loved the idea of, it seems like a lot of the, and you're right, there are these established universes, uh, you know, H.P. Lovecraft's universe is very much his own, and um, Stephen King's universe, and uh, yeah, I even Kurt Vonnegut has his very, very specific place that is not this world yeah. and I love it I, I love and I think that's why I wouldn't want to necessarily write a story in any of their universes because I feel like I'd be infringing upon you know not even considering like copyright or anything like that just like this was their world they, they created this place and um, I don't know that I could do it justice I would feel like an interloper I would feel like I was um, stealing some significant part of these people's lives or, or or, um, I don't know, uh, it, it's just, it's a weird feeling, too, to have, because I know a lot of people write, um, I don't want to call it, I forget the, the proper term, it's not fan fiction, but, you know. Yeah, it, it comes from that same pool, but it's, it's right. more enhanced, I imagine, yeah. Or say, even like, uh, you know, writers who come in and write a, an episode for Doctor Who, you know, it, it's, it's. You're playing with someone else's toys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something that that it's okay. I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but for me personally, yeah, I would I would not want to do that. Uh, but yeah, my own universe is, uh, you know, something I'm working on. The Moon Hill universe. I have now um, the short story collection, Welcome to Moon Hill, which was kind of like the introduction to that place, um, and then the novella which we're not talking too much about but the novella that you will um, have out on audiobook is very much a Moonhill universe uh, story and my second novel the one I'm working on currently is again uh, probably the most fleshed out of the Moonhill uh, series I'm, I'm considering this this is maybe the first time I'm actually talking about this where other people can hear it <laughs> not just head <laughs> but um, I do consider that collection, the uh, Moonhill short story collection, the novella that you're putting out, and the novel I'm working on currently, I consider that an unofficial Moonhill trilogy. The stories are not, the plot lines are not necessarily co connected, but there are overlapping characters. They all take place in the same uh, town. 
uh, there are for the, for anyone who reads all three of them, there are so many Easter eggs, uh, little things that you will only know about or notice if you have read all three things. So, yeah, I've been playing around with it very much in my head, thinking of it as that unofficial trilogy. You don't have to; they're all standalone. You don't have to read any one thing to really get it. But but um, there's that added level there to people who who have put in the effort to to read them all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's a, an enhanced experience for anyone who reads them all. And you might notice, uh, and I'll say only this, I won't go into any more detail, but you may have noticed that one of the stories, one of the short stories in the Welcome to Moon Hill collection, it starts and ends, and it's a complete story, but I take the end of that story and start a chapter in the novella that you're publishing from that point, from that exact point. So it's actually a continuation of one of the stories from the Welcome to Moon Hill collection uh, going into one of the chapters in uh, the novella. Excellent. So um, if anyone wanted to go out and find out more about your writing and where they can obviously buy your stuff, which is, is what people really should do to support up-and-coming writers, you need to pay money, essentially. It's good because it helps the writers, keeps them going. So what, where can people find out and get information about you? You know, it's really... Uh... Pretty simple. You can find all the information that you want about me on my website, which is www.anthonyjrapino.com. Uh, it's basically my one-stop shop. You can find uh, a lot of free stuff, actually. There's um, a lot of stories that I've published through online magazines that are just available with a click, and you don't have to pay anything. Uh, if you want to get to know my writing a little more, which I suggest you do. I, you know, I don't want anyone to drop even something as little as uh, three or four dollars without being sure that you like what I write. But uh, yeah, there's plenty of that and then you can find the links to uh, in-ear entertainment through there for the Exquisite Death audiobook, uh, links to Soundtrack to the End of the World, which was my debut novel, came out a little over a year ago. Um, there's an ebook version of that which is pretty cheap and there are, I believe, still some paperbacks available um, that you can find the links through that as well. Then I have the short story collection, Welcome to Moon Hill, which again is a pretty cheap ebook that I have through Amazon. You can find the links to my website. And um, I, I believe those are all the purchase things. And then, like I said, um, all the free stuff. And um, you could always come by and check out my blog. I'm always writing about strange things and Halloween and horror. And um, I've been writing some articles as well for horrornovelreviews.com. Um, Strangely, no reviews of, of horror novels, though. <laughs> so far. Uh, yeah, some more 80s horror stuff and um, Halloween stuff. I'm going to be going to see Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th in Blairstown, New Jersey, where Friday the 13th was filmed. And I'm going to do a quick uh, article about that and a bunch of other stuff. I don't want to uh, take up too much time, though. That's, that's awesome. Well people can definitely find you and, and thank you very much for, for taking out time on, on a Sunday as well I do feel like I'm encroaching on your personal time so thank you very much for coming along and chatting to us well, not at all this was a hell of a time I had a great time and uh, actually look forward to doing it again sometime too excellent yes we, we shall arrange a, a video one next time I believe that would be really cool um, yeah. and people can see that so thank you very much and, and uh, everyone who's listening we shall see you next time for our, our next interview. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, but it'll be interesting, I'm sure. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to the In-Ear Entertainment up-and-coming podcast. For more podcasts and some brilliant audiobooks, go to www.inearentertainment.com.